Oh, been a long time since I heard you call my name. I got to see my Colorado girl again. Be there tomorrow. Hey everybody, welcome to Reporting is Eligible. I'm Paul Noonan of Acme Packing Company and the Shepherd Express, and I hope everybody enjoyed Reporting is Eligible after dark last week. Um, we are, we're not doing that again. My voice is still not completely recovered from it and the drinks I had while doing it. Uh, so first and foremost, to help us go over the upcoming game against the Broncos, and not at all the last game, uh, in urban Wauwatosa, with a new set of headphones we have. Hey, it's J.R. Radcliffe, training sports reporter for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. New headphones, new mic. New mic. I listened to last week's reporting is eligible on an elliptical. And uh, my first thought as you began with, with a little bit of a scratch in your voice, I'm like, how in the world are you going to make it through one hour and 30 minutes, which is what my phone is telling me <laughs> this podcast episode is going to be? The answer is didn't quite actually make it, no. but did very, very well. Did very well. Secondly, as I'm listening to it, I'm thinking, oh, oh, no. This is Justin Timberlake's solo album, and I'm in NSYNC. Like, he doesn't need us anymore. We're over. We are going to have to find other projects. Uh, because, Paul, I thought you handled yourself with serious aplomb. I thought it was very, very well done. I do sort of wonder what the hell you keep us around for, Paul, because uh. we are really just window dressing, and you are the main event. So congratulations <laughs> so, to you, Justin Timberlake. So thank you. Uh, but also, I can't do that every week. It was exhausting and uh, I just that run up to that I had like six soccer games uh, I was coaching some of them that I didn't have six but a lot I, I had to do a lot of yelling and then I was on a plane and that wrecks my voice and then I was at events where there was drinking and that wrecks everybody's voice but mine especially and uh, not my tubs he speaks beautifully and he's yeah. on bourbon all the time <laughs> true true um, and you know there was other voice destroying things in there and i should not have talked for an hour and a half oh and i like i was i was presenting at the conference i was at so um holy I was, smokes i was miked but i was like taking questions and i was networking and junk like that so uh yeah i should not speak for a week but that's okay um glad you enjoyed it went well um what percentage of people who attend conferences that you also attend know that you have this like subterranean life following the green bay packers Ah, uh, that's a good question actually and uh a lot of a lot of conference goers are actually like vendors who are soliciting my business and it is sure. the numero uno way they suck up to me. Um, they will walk oh, up and really? Oh yeah. Yeah. 100%. They've researched you. Yep. Yeah. You're researchable. Yeah. That's incredible. So they find that and they, they come up and they want to talk football and like I, it's it totally, first of all, kudos to all of you who do that uh second of all you know i never know I mean, that is that is the way to your heart yeah, like let's be honest is. i would it's very it's very smart to too, that's what no, i would do too that's brilliant yeah no criticism here but you know i never know if it's sincere or not and then like you can always tell that people have always like listened at least to a few minutes of the most recent one before they talk to me and again this is all very good salesmanship <laughs> no no critic no no shade here that you guys do your homework no, you're all really great, good at man. this but let's yeah people people absolutely do find this a hundred percent I'm sure they're listening to it right now and going like, oh, he knows. Uh, so, yeah. he knows. <laughs> and I'm Matt, but you can call me Mateo. Hey, nice work. Yeah, yeah, company me. We were very, general Twitter. Rabble very organic this weekend. One. Well hey, done. That was a good hey, one. <laughs> hey, JR, what do you call it when a lawyer mm -hmm. is kicked out of a tavern? I don't know, Mateo. What do you call it when a lawyer is kicked out of a tavern? They are disbarred. <laughs> that is really dad joke. I thought it was going to be so bad. <laughs> I feel like that's beneath you a little yeah, bit. I thought that's it was going to be way wow. better than it was. 
What do you mean? That's. I mean that it was a dad joke. Yeah, it was. It was fine. It was good. You're getting older, yeah. I guess, Matub. Yeah. Also, um, I, there are two extra dogs in my house because I saw them running ours, around back there. <laughs> yeah, friends of ours just had their first child. Aw, so, well, congratulations, oh, Matub friends. Dog well sitting. Yeah. Shout out to the Sandersons. Yep. I did at this conference learn all about um, the updates to generative AIs everywhere and how we will all be out of jobs shortly. So, I mean, you could say that I can do this alone, but you won't, you won't even need me in a year or so. So it'll just be robots podcasting. Have, have you guys heard like any of the voice AI like memes? Well, I've seen a lot oh. of the, you know, sing, uh, having an artist sing a song uh, that some other artist wrote, like it, which is amazing. Yeah. Like or incredible. Li- listening listening to eric cartman sing evanescence yeah yeah <laughs> i want to do that now yeah google, why am google, i on this podcast with you google it it's a real thing no but my favorite is someone made a fake joe rogan podcast where him and jordan peterson are discussing being homosexual <laughs> oh goodness kissing oh the homies good night and one of the good parts about last week was i didn't have to edit myself at all alas no that's fine um <laughs> All right, we should talk about football and not how AI is going to destroy the world. Um, so we play the worst team in football this week. Um, so that's fun. Except, we haven't done that already? Well, I feel like we've done that already. The Bears were, but, you know, they had that those couple games of of being okay. Um, and the Broncos actually weren't weren't terrible in their last game. They lost to Kansas City like 19-8 to eight or something like that, which is, you know, Kansas City's good. That's not horrible. Uh, but they did lose to the Dolphins 70 to. 20 or something along those lines yeah, and at one point i think it was like it was like 63 to nothing yeah there's a lot of garbage time points in there <laughs> and they've gotten blown out by a whole bunch of teams so i mean yeah it's it's going to be a race to the bottom there's a lot of contenders but uh the broncos are it last defensively i think is the main thing they're the worst defensive team in the league by a lot the bears are the second worst defensive team in the league and it is like a pretty substantial epa difference so if you're going to score, this is the week to score. If you can't score this week, um, uh, you know, off, on a long week, off a bye, against the worst defense in football, then you got problems. You got big problems. <laughs> so just looking at your uh, your defensive chart in the rundown. Yep. The, so the the Broncos are last. Bears are second to last. Yes. The, the gap between the Broncos and the Bears is roughly the gap between the Bears and the eighth worst team. <laughs> That's about right, yeah. That's ballpark. So, yeah, that you could fit seven teams in that gap. That 70 to 20 game does a lot of work on a five game sample. So, it's probably, I mean, you should count that, but (laughs) to some extent, it's not that big. You know, um, outliers happen. Hey, man, I got my green belt. I get to point at any piece of data I don't like and call it an outlier. We should all, I think, take a lap um, for the Giro Evero Joe Berry podcast that we did however many seasons ago that was. When we all oh recommended God. hiring him because Joe Barry was a failure on every occasion. And now Ejiro Evero has been passed over for familiar people twice. <laughs> and both times the defense has tanked horribly under the other person's tutelage. So uh, Evero was the Broncos defensive coordinator last year. Um, they were the ninth best defense last year. Sean Payton decided he wanted uh, Vance Joseph. It's Vance Joseph, right? Um, <laughs> I'm going to look that up real quick because uh, if I is it Van, like former head coach for the Broncos, Vance Joseph? Um, I think so. Um, yes, but I'm going to make sure. Yes, it is Vance. Hey, Joseph. all right. I'm glad I got that right. Um, and they're they went from ten, uh, ninth to basically worst 
Whereas Evero's not, he's not doing perfect over in Carolina. Um, but if you watch that team, you can kind of just tell they're better than their personnel. And they're good at pass defense, but they are kind of Packer-like and stopping the run, actually. <laughs> um, but that that's, I think, more personnel-related. Like, it is for the Packers. Like, get some big well, guys. It's, it's a good thing the Packers signed a real NFL running back today. Oh, yeah. Yeah, um, uh, yeah we should talk about that news, actually, because James Robinson on the practice squad. And also, I, I did want to mention that we signed another Anthony Johnson which I feel is extra fun and confusing because we already have... Oh, we have Anth- I was confused by that. So now we have Anthony Johnson Jr. and Anthony Johnson 2. That's what I'm going to call him because um, he's the second one. So, yeah. He's Anth- he's Anthony Johnson also. Same draft class. <laughs> so a- AJA. So we've, got, <laughs> we've got AJJ and AJA. Yep. I was reading the story about it. I was so confused. It's like, I, I just don't understand. Was he added to the 53 and taken <laughs> off the practice? To the practice and I put know, back man. on the 53, but I get it now. Oh my gosh, it yep. makes so much sense. Well, so, apparently Zane Anderson practiced this week. And that sure he did. Exist, so. <laughs> so now we have two. Sure Anthony, he did. Now we have two Anthony Johnsons and two Jonathan Fords on the team. So hooray for that. So we've got three Fords. Rudy Ford is also Jonathan Ford. His his first name. His real name is Jonathan? Yeah, oh it my is. God. Yeah. <laughs> and that's just some of the trivia you get listening to reporting as eligible um, <laughs> i was deeply disappointed by the way uh by the by the broncos chiefs game uh this is a detour from what we're talking about we can go back in a minute but Qu- quinn miners i wanted there to be some a shot of him uh, like a, a good photo or a good play um he's an offensive lineman for the broncos he went to uw whitewater he's from hartford he's a large man and Given that Taylor Swift was there, I was going to to indicate something about White Horse. Oh man, a good Taylor Swift reference, and it just never materialized because I don't think he necessarily played that well. The offensive, you know, whatever. The Broncos are bad, so right. there just wasn't that opportunity. But I really had a good Taylor Swift reference there. He's a Bronco, so obviously, you know, White Horse. He's a big dude. He's a White Horse. It's a good yeah, setup. It's an excellent setup. You had such good opportunity, <laughs> yes. and you, they yes. let you down. I, and I can't use it again. Like I can't use it this week. Yeah. There's no Taylor Swift. It makes no sense. Yeah, well, be- because he was so bad, uh, their line has a blank space. You can write his name though. That's right. I use that joke every time there is a threat of a scoregami <laughs> in a Kansas City game. At this point, uh, let me ask you this because I care about this actually a little bit more than I care about uh, the Broncos. Do you think Taylor Swift comes to Green Bay on December third when the Chiefs? Hell are- no. Hell no. <laughs> I I do. You do. I do. I'm going to go with yes. Um, I think you have an opportunity there for um, a, a good photo op, good publicity. Like you can you can bust out winter gear, which is different than you know normal. You can be a person of the people in Green Bay. I think that happens. I think the small town um, charm works to their favor there, and they get her. That's my guess. Huh? She did not go to Minneapolis, which makes me think yeah. maybe not. Maybe not. Minneapolis. I is, actually. So I. I think that's a good point, but those are not the same thing. Uh, <laughs> Minneapolis is not small. T- I mean, it is, but it's it's not indoors. It's not. There's not going to be like picturesque snow. It's not outdoors with you know Packer fans. Um, you know, you can really get to the salt of the earth outdoor football experience in Green Bay, and you're just in a cool stadium in Minnesota. So not not that's my. It's not based on like the coolness of anywhere. Green Bay is not that cool, um, but you know it is football cool. I think it happens. Uh, that's my guess. Could I maintain wrong. that there's actually no airport in the, in the state of Wisconsin that can support a Taylor Swift arrival. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that beat Milwaukee well, or certainly since, Green Bay. Since Taylor Swift is the uh, single most polluting person, individual on the planet. 
I mean, her, sure, her, if you run a big show, that's probably true. No, but her so her jet uh, accounted for, like, it, basically, it flew twice a day every day all year. I mean, okay, so, yeah, yeah. I don't care about is any it? of that. The content, guys. <laughs> the content. If Taylor Swift came to Green Bay, the content, I would actually be with them. I would be okay with them cutting Jonathan Owens at that point because the content would have reached such peak levels. <laughs> I just, it's a good thing I'm wearing headphones Poor because Jonathan. my wife just walked in as we're talking crap about Taylor Swift. No, we're not talking uh, crap not, about her. I adore her. Yeah. I, I, I you watch talking. her in Green Bay. Well, Speak I am, for yourself. I guess. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> All like, right, I'm sorry. We were talking about Giro Avera or whatever. Talking, to be fair, like, we wanted him because he was different. I don't know if we had a lot of data on him a couple years ago. We, we did, were like, they should we hire not. him and not Joe Barry. <laughs> it was entirely a, we know about Joe Barry, but not this guy. And so, so let's hire this guy. Let's hire this guy. <laughs> <laughs> we basically advocated for anyone else, and were we right? And it was a yes. it was a no, principle no, point. Was, That's the thing. No, but there was it was also like the tree he came under. There was innovation. He yes. was yes. He was going to be playing a modern defense instead of a retread. Like we, I remember us going over those things. Yep, there was a good yes, chart going around right. today um, on Slack and on Twitter uh, of the. Uh, the Vic Fangio defenses and how they've lost effectiveness this year because quarterbacks have adjusted to it. So also fun to keep that in mind as well. Defensive coordinator, you just really need a savant. Like it, your style, like doesn't matter at all. It's just how you react to offenses in the game. And so like yeah, having a guy like Joe Barry is just a film grinder and has no like creativity or concepts of what's going on. Just doesn't work. Like you got to interview better than that. He also maybe shouldn't have said or described what happened to Preston Smith versus Devontae Adams. Because I got to tell you, any lingering faith oh, I had in him went out the window when he was like, uh, yeah, basically we screwed that up and you just got to survive that play if you're Preston Smith. Just got to get through it. Which, you know, relatable stuff for the average man. But like, Which, no, what, what pains me so much about that is professional blogger Justice Mosqueda provided a phenomenal write-up as to <laughs> it was good how the it was packers very got, good how That's the packers amazing. got in how the packers got into a no-win situation preston was going to be lined up but they had a check yeah. like the defense the defense had a quote-unquote audible if they saw an empty formation and they were supposed to check to it yep i don't know who who is who is the green dot helmet at that point it was mcduffie wasn't it that's that's probably your problem yeah when yeah. you're when you're down to your ILB four and five, or and you're it was either McDuffie or a safety, like the, that was the options on that. I'm pretty sure. So I, I'm sure that yeah, was so the problem. But like, I, I choose death. Uh, <laughs> on the one hand, um, it, that's an inexperienced problem. On the other hand, though, like you should have alarm bells going off if you have the green dot and they go empty set and you see that there's a large man guarding Devontae Adams. You know. <laughs> You should, you should oh, do yeah, something. It's not a hard thing to pick up. Yeah. For for frame of reference, um, Zach Tom and Preston Smith are the same size. That they are. Oh, jeez. I do feel like this <laughs> happens. So this is a Joe Barry criticism and a Preston Smith praise. Um, I do feel like this happens like once or twice a year, and we have this conversation that Preston Smith was singled up on somebody. And Preston actually usually does okay. And I feel like on this play also kind of did, I mean, he, it wasn't great, but it could have been like an 80-yard touchdown, right? <laughs> well, so but the, the thing was is he he had a flat. His zone was a flat, and Devontae faked inside and then came, or faked outside and came inside. So he was no longer Preston's responsibility. However, because he's lined up across his face, it looks Bad. way worse than yeah. it was. 
Yeah. <sighs> that justice thing is like when, when a film critic, you know, picks out a name or something or some some symbolism in a movie and gives this big breakdown about what this means, Oliver, and then the film creator comes up. We we just like the name or we just like the location. There was no no hidden symbolism. I just there. I just yeah. really like lens flares. So <laughs> let's let's <laughs> like dispense with Denver defense. They have one NFL player on their team. That's Patrick Spain. Um, they their edge rushers um, Nick Benito and uh, Jonathan Cooper have fairly gaudy sack totals, but they've gotten almost all of them against Sam Howell and Justin Fields, um, who are the the quarterbacks most prone, other than Russell Wilson, to take sacks. So um, they, it's like the Dolphin game. It's kind of inflated. They're not terrible, and we just got beaten up by Max Crosby, who was the only good player on the team. So, you know, <laughs> we're not going to assume anything. Okay, but, but uh, Matt LaFleur asked rookie tight ends to single block a guy who's in the running for defensive player of the year. He did. He did do that. Um, it uh, wasn't great. They got to stop having Luke Musgrave do that. Like you have, have Tucker Craft or Josiah DeGuerra. Do you, I mean, don't do that at all, but have one of those two doing it. If you're doing it, like don't make the guy who's just a receiver do it. Stop doing that. I know afterwards they said, like, I think it was Dusty wrote on like tight ends have to do tight end things at some point. And that's kind of true, but like Travis Kelsey doesn't a lot of the time. You know, if you got a good receiving tight end, you could just make them a receiving tight end. That's fine. Do that. Um, yeah, like sometimes you're just gonna be, you're uh, you're just gonna be a slot receiver with your hand in the dirt for a second. Yeah. Like that's just, just, just how it is. Sometimes. Anyway, mm. they don't. They have a weak front. There, you can run on the Dolphins. The Dolphins. The Dolphins ran all over them. You can run on the Broncos. You can pass on the Broncos. Um, they're not deep. They uh, are not beefy. Should be able to score points, and if you can't, there's trouble. Let's move on to the offense because they are not bad on offense. They're not great, but they're not bad. And sometimes against Joe Barry, that's you know good enough. Um, so they brought in Sean Payton. Um, Sean Payton actually usually doesn't go with Russell Wilson that well because Russ likes to huck it deep, and uh, Sean's Drew Brees offense is much more kind of checkdowns and accurate throws and stuff like that. But it seems to be working okay. It's kind of like a Taysom Hill kind of thing they got going on. Like I feel like this is Sean Payton's like vision come true for what Taysom Hill is supposed to be, and uh, it's it's not bad. Like by EPA and stuff, Russ is having an okay season. He still takes too many sacks and throws too many picks, but he's been quietly effective. Um, at taking out that garbage time hurts him a little bit, not that much. He's been all right. They're not terrible. He's still is dumb. Russell Wilson. Is he good? He's Has not, he ever been good? Or, or am I missing that? Like, wh- where did he degrade? Well, okay, Jr. You, me, and Paul all have as many MVP votes as Russell Wilson does. <laughs> that is a function of the system. We have talked about that. Is that it is a function of the is system? It, he's is got. They don't. You don't get to rank people in baseball. You yeah. rank ten dudes for MVP. Russell Wilson. So people. Got, I know Pro Bowls don't matter in football because everybody makes the Pro Bowl. But he's got five of them. He's got a bunch of offensive player of the year votes. Um, he's got more than five. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. He's got nine. Sorry, some of them were at the end of the list. Nine Pro Bowls is pretty good. It's good consistency, you know. And and Jarrett's right um, on the MVP vote, uh, especially if you're playing in an era with truly great quarterbacks, which he has his entire career. There's been Brady and Manning there like the whole time. That's a hard hard thing to do. It just is. I don't hold that against him. But he's he's been good, um, and he's he did start to fall off noticeably. Right around 2020, like right during the COVID year, um, his stats really start to take a bath a little bit. Um, you can see it in his yards per attempt uh, to a great extent. 
uh, sack percentage goes way, 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 way up um, starting in 2019. All those hits are a problem. And, you know, he's a weird guy. I, he takes a lot of hits. I suspect um, he maybe has had one too many concussions. Uh, he makes edible bread. He has micro bubbles. And he does well, all, high knees all on bread. jets to, okay. to England. You know, I, I think you mean edible football bread. Edible football bread. All bread's edible. Bread yeah. is supposed to be edible. <laughs> yeah, good point. Uh, sorry, bread shaped like a football that is edible. So, by the way, can... So Clay Matthews totally concussed him in the NFC Championship game, right? Like, Probably, yeah. Yeah, we're all we're all in agreement with this. I I had not heard that theory, but you're gonna expound. So, so do so it. So Russ's Russ's first pick in the NFC Championship game that shall not be discussed. I'm yep. discussing it. Um, Clay completely decleats him and hits him right in the off button, hits him in the jaw. Yep. And then Russ threw like two picks immediately after. That. Hmm. And then another more memorable memorable pick in the end zone yeah. of the Super Bowl. But he has he's always been a I little, did not know this. Yeah, he's always been a little bit of a weird quarterback. He's a little Donovan McNabby. Like he he's not like the greatest running quarterback of all time, but he has just enough efficient running to bolster his sort of good but not great passing numbers into something that in the aggregate is actually pretty good. And when that stuff starts to go away, like when the wheels start to go a little bit and the mobility starts to go a little bit, they go south pretty quickly. And I think that's what you got there. But he okay. is, he's been better this year getting the ball out a little quicker. Yeah, I didn't know if we were secretly, if he wasn't as good as his reputation had, had become. But you're telling me he, he, he is good. It's just he has fallen off a little bit. Understand? Yep, I, don't think he, I don't think he has ever been as good as, like even at his peak, I don't think he was worth the trade package it took to get him. Uh, I disagree. I Really? Yeah, uh, especially because he hasn't played with a ton of super great receivers out there either. Like, so he's sneaky good guys. It's like Doug Baldwin and Tyler Lockett. Like, those guys yeah. are good, but like... Yes, but like literally once a year, there's someone who writes an article that goes, hmm, Tyler Lockett, am I right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> well, and yes, he's good, but he's not like... Nobody, <laughs> Tyler Lockett's been great his whole career. Nobody's making Tyler Lockett the number one receiver like in trade or anything like that. It's, you know, he's yeah. he's good. And it's not like they're ever super deep. I mean... Um, it's it's a bunch of okay to pretty good receivers, um, and Pete Carroll's also not like an offensive genius or anything. You know, this is it was a lot of Russell doing work when they were actually good. Pete Carroll's over there, like, how do I run cover three on offense? Yes, pretty much so. <laughs> so I, I don't know, like he's not like he's not Peyton Brady Rogers for sure, but he's like solidly was in the next tier. And I think it's underrated by some people, too. So it's kind of all over the map. And the fact that he's a weirdo doesn't help either. Like, it, some people no. rub, are rubbed the wrong, wrong way, and some people are willing to forgive that maybe more than they should. So, yeah. All right, so the Broncos are one of the worst teams in, in the NFL. So were the Raiders, and the Packers got beat. So what are we talking about this weekend? What's uh, How does this go wrong, Paul? <laughs> I like the how does this go wrong question. Um, because I definitely think it could go wrong. Um, the Broncos have had a lot of problems that could get better. And I think that's where I'm a little bit scared here. They were without Javante Williams for uh, a good chunk of the season, and he has played he played well in his game back last week. Um, their backup running back, Jaleel McLaughlin, who I don't know jack about, I should actually do his razz real quick, um, has been really, really good, averaging 6.6 .6 yards per carry. And the re main reason their passing game has struggled is Jerry Judy has had just a horrible year. Um, yeah, I know. JR just snapped his head around. Jerry Judy. 
Um, Jerry, Jerry Judy. Jerry Judy's had uh, some nagging injuries. He had, I would say, a breakout season last year and has not been able to bring that to the table this year, um, you know, under what should be a much more friendly offensive scheme. So both he and Cortland Sutton um, are averaging under 12 yards per catch. They're very, very dink and dunk, and that's caused a lot of issues in their offense. Um, it's been very pedestrian, very uh, tons of throws to get down the field. They've also been missing Greg Dulcich, who is in a a good, not great tight end, big uh, fantasy sleeper guy early in the season. Um, and here's the thing that, that makes them a little scary. They, they got Dulcich back, which is another weapon. They got Williams back, who looks to be maybe back to his normal self. And if they can run the ball, it's already scary. Like the Packers, when they face a team that can run the ball, that's bad. It goes poorly pretty much every time. Um, and it is a good rushing attack. And then down the bench a little bit, they have two guys who've been super explosive, and if they just use a little bit more, become very scary. And um, I hate like when guys are in the wings against the Packers. I feel like it turns into breakout games more often than it should. So like Marvin Mims was like one of my guys out of college. He's a rookie. He was the best receiver in college football for two straight years. He he is a small like this whole class whole class was, and he's only got ten catches, but it's ten catches for two hundred and forty six yards. Um, and, Jesus. Yes, and he's catching 83% of his targets. Um, you should you should use that guy more than you're using that guy. Um, and the only reason they're not using him more is because uh, Brandon Johnson, their other receiver, um, who's the, the other deep threat guy, is averaging 15.3 yards per catch, um, and he has eight catches. So he's kind of like the starting deep guy, and Mims only goes in when he's like tired or something. So they've got these guys who can stretch the field, who are just not the starters, but they're they're kind of just waiting there. And if they start to get more time, this becomes much more scary than it has been to any point this year. With Dulcich in there, especially, um, it has the makings of an actual like fully fleshed out offense. So um, I'm a little bit scared of this game because they are starting to get healthy. Um, you know, it's a new system for them. Like Sean Payton's system is is pretty proven and. They should improve in it over time, even though that last game was an absolute travesty of a football game. Um, but, you know, Joe Barry can bring out the best in anybody, and a, a getting healthy team plus him scares the bejesus out of me. So um, I'm not scared of their defense at all, but I'm a little bit scared of their offense. And, you know, it's not like Russell Wilson hasn't torn us a new one many, many times in the past. Marvin Mims and Jerry G, just, alliterative <laughs> duo. I yep. love this. Oh, man, just the phrasing of, of uh, Barry can bring out the best in anybody. <laughs> <laughs> ah, man, Joe Barry. So uh, the line right now is Packers minus one, uh, but Odd Shark has Denver winning by eight. That's interesting. So, what, what yeah, is, so the Odd, okay. the Odd Shark prediction is, is 26 to 18. So the other things hmm. that are bad about this game is like – this is in Denver, right? Which I'm trying to. Yes. Yeah. We're it, not, is in, it is in Denver. Nobody's good in Denver. We're not good in Denver. I think we're one in seven in Denver all time. Um, yeah, but we usually play Denver earlier in the season. Does that, why does that matter? Yeah. Yeah. So Justice did a whole thing about oh, it. We're like, right. I gotta read like that. Uh, prior to the last couple of years, Denver had the best first two week home field advantage of any team in history. Ah, like all their, right. win, their winning percentages at home within the first two weeks are like stupid. It's while everyone is getting back into football shape, and then they suddenly have to go to altitude. Gotcha. That make oh, that does make a lot of sense. Yeah, people are not in shape at the beginning of the season, so that checks out. Um, all right, so I, I'm scared. I I hope we're okay. Um, we do get a lot of people back, and uh, I, I'm the, the James Robinson signing. 
makes me scared that Aaron Jones isn't going to play again. And I think that's really key. If Aaron Jones plays... Play again like ever? No, this game. Oh, okay. I mean, may, maybe <laughs> I ever. Said- <laughs> it does make me more scared about ever. But in this game in particular, like if if he's not going to play in this game and they're kicking the t- t- tires on people to do that, like if Aaron Jones plays in this game, I think they win fairly easily because Denver can't stop that. They just can't. Um, but if, if we're back to Dylan and garbage, then this is a problem. I am going to pat myself on the back because I was thinking, when was the, the time they won in Denver? And I was thinking that Greg Jennings overtime catch. Oh, yeah. Against Cutler, right? Uh, I don't. Yeah, probably. Yeah, that was still Cutler. And it was overtime, right? First play it, of overtime. It, exactly. First play of overtime. Brett Favre's last season. And I'm like, I think that game was in Denver. And sure enough, it was yeah, in I, Denver. I think it's that's Cutler um, replacing Plummer. That was a good Cutler game. He was good in that game. I mean, color was pretty good for the Broncos. Yeah. Like, he wasn't awful. But also, Jake Plummer wasn't awful either. I think it was a lateral move. <laughs> ah. But, but yes, again, review we, them. Let, let's, are... let's discuss the mid-aughts. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> another thing about Devin Aramash. <laughs> good old Devin Aramash. <laughs> so, yeah, one in seven and the one win required overtime, even though it was a pretty flashy game. But uh, I did not realize that the Packers were so maligned out in the uh, – it's yeah. been rough. It's Out been of Matub's so, home state. Matub, so are you going to go watch time, this game? No, I'm not because nosebleed, ticket, nosebleed tickets are $250 a piece. Packers and Taylor Swift, man. They're a big I'm draw. not going to pay 500 bucks to be cold and watch the Packers lose to a bad team. <laughs> oh, you've given up. <laughs> no, I've not given up. I'm just being real. So before we go to questions, I have one more stat to make everybody more positive about this game and happier about this game. I love it. I love uh, it. Last year, under Ajiro Evero, the Broncos were the number one team in DVOA uh, at stopping passes in the middle of the field. And as of this morning, under Vance Joseph, uh, they're the 31st best team at stopping passes in the middle of the field. Uh, Jordan Love, as discussed on last week's podcast, really kind of lives over the middle of the field. So this is a good passing matchup for the Packers there. Um, I'm, I'm also right, this, optimistic look- for that. I, I'm, I have to keep saying this every week. Jordan Love runs a Madden offense. Throw it over the yep. middle, and if you die, you die, and only complete 51% of your passes. Yeah, and for <laughs> anybody thinking that like that DVOA is an artifact of uh, just that one bad game and small sample size, uh, maybe a little bit, but um, Vance Joseph's defenses typically are uh, very, very press man heavy, single high safety, not in line with what the rest of the NFL runs these days, uh, very prone to leaving large open spaces if the pass, pass rush doesn't get home, which it has not been doing this year. So there should be big Luke windows. Great breakout game. Yeah. Jordan got to hit the windows. That's it. Yeah. I'm just, I, I, I've still got PTSD from the last time the Packers were in Denver. Understandably so. That was, I mean, to this day, it's referred to as the game that broke Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. It was a good defensive performance. He threw for like 65 yards. And got the stuffings kicked out of him. Still uh, still so taking its toll to this day by he, the looks of things. He won two then, MVPs after that. He wasn't broken. He 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 was broken with McCarthy. Yeah, that kind of ended the McCarthy good Rodgers. <laughs> it really. So, so basically, everyone was like, oh, hey, we can play cover two man. And send four, and we'll be fine. And that's literally what everyone did for the rest of the McCarthy era. And by gar, it worked. It super worked. <laughs> uh, All right, let's do uh, questions. Unless, uh, other, is there anything else 
to talk about? Uh, no, McCarthy's team is three and three. Thank you, Justin Herbert, for that last interception. Ooh, ooh, I have one things. really, really quick thing before questions that I should mention. Uh, so the, the Justin Fields is out for a, a while, maybe for the year. And uh, Tyson Bajent is the Bears' backup quarterback. And uh, Luke, Secret Bajent, man. Uh, he First of all, his arm is terrible. Um, he, uh, I want better arm stats from college scouts than, than I get. Uh, you're all bad at that. Get better at it. But uh, Luke Getze, the, the Bears' offensive coordinator, was his senior bowl coach. Uh, I've heard some rumblings that he, that is why he decided to come to the Bears as an undrafted free agent, that he had a lot of suitors, um, and that there's a legitimate love of him in their locker room as like a future guy who might be something, which, by the way, he is not. So uh, something to monitor, um, just scuttlebutt, but yeah. He's bad. So let's hope for a few good games uh, from him to make him look better than he actually is. Uh, I can't wait to see the first like 12 yard out route just get absolutely picked and taken to the house Heck by yeah. safety. Oh, no. All right, friends, let's go to these Patreon questions. Yeah. Patrons, of course, get question priority. We'll start with Mark Putzgarby. Uh, what veterans, if any, should the Packers look to deal at the deadline? Personally, I'm in the trade anyone who won't help in 2025 or later boat. That includes Jones, Preston, Razul, Ford, Campbell. Presumably, we're talking about Rudy Ford, Jonathan Rudy Ford, Jonathan, uh, etc. So that is the uh, that is the question. Who will they trade? The 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 great trade deadline where every year you think maybe <laughs> something interesting will yeah. happen. <laughs> I mean, well, wait, do you remember the Ted Thompson quote? They're like, they're like, yeah, you didn't really have any movement at the trade deadline. He goes, isn't it next week? And they're like, no, it was yesterday. And he goes, oh, all right. <laughs> that is an excellent line. Good job, yeah. Ted. Um, but by the, the way, who they should they should troll. trade they should trade Keyshawn Nixon. Uh, yes, that's a good addition. So they should. They're probably going to be out of it. The, the problem is maybe they won't be. Like the schedule's still easy. This team can still be around five hundred in the playoff hunt, and they're not going to. I don't think they'll be like serious sellers unless they're out of it. By serious sellers, I mean like Rashawn Gary starts to show up as a potential trade, uh, which they should probably look at because he is going to command a lot of money. And by the time they contend, uh, seriously contend, probably in a couple of years, he'll be older and less athletic and expensive. And I'm not sure that works. Uh, but yeah, all those guys, nothing should be off the table for the Packers. Absolutely nothing. They should trade anybody who's not going to be around in two years. Jones, Preston, Razul, all good candidates. Um, Ford and Campbell to Keyshawn Nixon. I would not. I would listen to offers on Gary if you got a good package. Um, I see no reason not to do that. What Matt's like giving me a face. He's not under contract. <laughs> I, no, but the, the phrasing, the phrasing of you want to see someone's good package is just. What oh, you're okay, fair <laughs> phrasing. Heyo. But yes, right, Patrick, no, you, you should you should oh. trade Keyshawn Nixon because he is literally costing them points with his taking it out of the end yeah, zone. He's having a and bad also year. he's he's and he's a garbage nickel defender. He's also a bad so. nickel defender. And Stokes is Get coming him off back. my team. Yep. Man, quick fall fall from grace there for Keyshawn Nixon. Uh Patrick Detmer says, I've heard on more than one mini pod this year how Team X is an absolute trash fire of an organization. Yeah, yeah. And that the Packers shouldn't lose to them. Also true. And then the Packers lose to them yep. the broncos probably qualify as a trash fire of an organization if the packers lose this game are we ready to label them as a dumpster fire or are they simply a rebuilding team with a questionable coaching staff and zero cap space percanola's dose yeah it's two um I, well because they have a plan like it's not like anybody expected the packers to blow the doors off of people if they were any good it was going to be a surprise it was going to be you know youngsters gelling quickly which tends not to happen uh and i think the contract they gave Love at the beginning of the season 
uh, showed all the confidence they have in Love. Like, if he's not good, they can move on or keep him around for one more year while they move on a second time. So, yeah, yeah they, they essentially gave him a sixth year option. They did. So, I mean, uh, not having a plan and being bad is dumpster fire. The Broncos are a dumpster fire because they gave Russell Wilson, like, the hugest contract in football and traded picks for him and traded picks for their coach and are supposed to be contending at this very minute and instead are one of the worst teams in football. That's a dumpster fire. The Packers might lose to him, but uh, they have no cap space because they gave their Hall of Fame quarterback money to get them quite far in the playoffs and now are rebuilding properly. So yeah, not a dumpster fire, not a great situation, but that's different. Two two or three years from now, if they're still bad, then we can come back to this conversation. <laughs> I feel like we're watching, the, the, the meter is moving on how early the Packers draft a quarterback in this next draft because, and you brought it up, like, Aaron Rodgers, a couple years in, they were trying to fortify that position and they drafted, you know, Brian Brom. Like they didn't give him the keys to the car. They weren't sure what they had either then. And and I feel like this is, you know, even maybe just as unsafe, if not even less safe a bet. So at this point, I've decided it's definitely going to be second round that they're taking a quarterback and I'm willing to go higher. And I think it'll probably be higher if they lose to the Broncos. I'm thinking, yeah, maybe there's a first round quarterback coming. Well, I, I mean, there's there's rumblings of this is the class that will break the first round QB record, which is I don't exciting. think it will, but yes, there are because it, there's a drop off after the first two, and uh, like there's dissension among who's the next best pro ready guy, and like Bo Nix is working his way high, and he, nobody wants that. Like that's not <laughs> that's ridiculous. I I guess like the 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 depth of the class could convince me that maybe it is going to be just a second rounder because. Uh, Maybe, maybe, maybe the guy that you take third in the first round is going to be the same as the guy you take early in the second round with yeah. the way the depth is lined up. So maybe, maybe that is the the ceiling for this, and they still take a pass rusher like they always do in the first round. <laughs> Very possible, unless so they get the top. I, I was just so I, I I was thinking about the 2014 draft. Um, a ton of quarterbacks went in the first round, but the first one to go was Blake Bortles. That one. Tough scene. Yeah, tough scene. <laughs> Future Packer. And, and so I, I, that's kind of what this class reminds me of, where like you have a surefire one and two, and then you have ten guys that are Blake Bortles. Yeah, maybe. Well, I need better arm scouting on Michael Penix, who is awesome, but Justice thinks has a garbage arm and definitely doesn't have a good arm. I've I've seen enough of him for that, but I need to know if it's how, like goodish. Do, is this like? Do you measure like ball velocity? Do you like like do you use radar gun a quarterback? How does this work? So uh, there. There's a guy who used to do this right, and his name was Tim Dix, and he did a, um, yeah, chair's laughing. It's the I IX guy. I can, but we were already talking about Michael Penix. <laughs> then we get to ball velocity, and now Tim Dix, and I'm sorry I'm falling apart. It's here. okay. And I wish Tim Dix still did this work. Tim, Tim Dix has a handle on ball velocity. <laughs> <laughs> he managed. He managed to use frame-by-frame frame analysis to get like basically miles per hour counts on in-game like outs and off-platform throws and also like time that read is made to time to throw to get that built in as well and it's just outstanding analysis he did it in 2019 and 2020 so it's like justin herbert and josh allen and jordan love is in there and um 
it's uh, it's all tr- proved to be spot on in the pros. Uh, Tua is in there, um, and so I want that. But you know, I'm not willing to do it myself because it sounds, frankly, extremely difficult <laughs> and very time consuming. And I get it. Um, but he used to do like baseball prospectus work with the guys who do the spin right stuff, and uh, he he spun that off into doing this. And I wish he would do it again, and somebody would pay him to do it. So. He spun that off. Do you think he ever did film study on last year's Nevada quarterback? Um, I I don't know, uh, but yes, you can do your pun if you want. Is it, it's it was Nate Cox, so you you'd get a Cox and Dix uh, <laughs> connection. Uh, Wasn't Nevada Carson dear. Strong last year? Nate Cox was twenty twenty two. I thought. Was, uh, I don't know. Who cares? Because he was the, he was like the <laughs> tallest. I think he was the tallest quarterback in history. Like he was. Six eight or some stupid stuff like that. All right, let's do the next question and not talk about. I'm not going to Google it because I don't care enough to. The Penix, my dear. The real question is, does it work? PJ Vessels, Sean Payton's play sheet got leaked. <laughs> How much work is it to replace that in a week? <laughs> does it need to be replaced? <laughs> I think well, it did, some of the calls were pretty good, though. Yeah, like the quarterback sneak was Converse. That's such a great call. <laughs> It's probably not trivial, right? Like everybody's practiced it and are used to it, and you have to do new memorizations yeah, and stuff. But people, so we've at this point we've seen a million interviews where they say that that the the calls week to week, like the the like word changes week to week. Sometimes it changes quarter to quarter, but the plays themselves don't. Yeah, and anything that you would learn about formation and play calling tendencies based off of that sheet you'll get from film study the important part was the the literal words, the words yeah were out there yeah, but like, and the words are going to change like, i'm sure they're going to change but it probably is like more time than it would normally be right like i i think that i think they would change week to week anyway uh, all right because so uh randy moss did a great um this was like five or six years ago now where he talks about audibles at the line and he's like, he's like, yeah, you'll hear someone go over there and say, Sally, Sally. And he goes, oh, well, that's a run to the left. And Brian Urlacher's like, yeah, I would immediately think that that was a run to the left. And everyone else sitting on the panel going, what the hell are you talking about? And both him and Urlacher are like, there's an L in it. Uh-huh. So like, <laughs> it's a run to the left. Like, and, and so, yeah, there's, there's going to be a change. I, I don't think it's that big of a deal. All right. You probably know this better than me. Not my deal. I just I, I consume a lot of content. I, I, I will watch anything with Randy Moss in it. That that dude is a delight. Ryan Ziegler says, Why had nobody why had nobody hired a top ten Madden player to set up strategy calls? <laughs> I mean Or clock. It it's an older it's an old, old way of doing things in most of the NFL. And uh, I'm still surprised to this day that Nobody taps high-level Madden players. Maybe people do, by the way, and maybe they just have good NDAs with those people. It's entirely possible that that does happen. Um, but it's you know the NFL's a lot of it, a lot of it's an old boys club, and they don't think a video game can't teach me nothing about football that I don't know that kind of thing. So I think that's mostly it. But I also wouldn't be surprised if there's a couple of progressive teams that actually like totally have done this because it is. Just a good football simulator that you can run thousands of times, and that's useful. So on on the flip side of things, uh, there's a really good video by a Madden YouTuber slash streamer named Throne. Uh, he's a Vikings fan. But he did a video with Kurt Bankert where he had Bankert call his offense based on 
what the Madden defense was showing. Um, it, and it was noticeably worse. <laughs> like thrown thrown was way worse than he usually is because he's a he's a um, one play touchdown kind of person. Like okay, getting like his entire offense is predicated on reading cover three, cover four, and then audibling to the correct play. And then versus certain personnel, he'll audible down to a run with a heavy set. Like it's, but those are sound concepts, right? Like they are. Like, well, but no, also if, nobody's arguing that like NFL players are dumb about how things are supposed to be run. It's sure. It's, I would say and, it's more like a nuanced, you know, kind of. Well, Banker Banker does a good job explaining himself, but the thing is, is he tries to run it like an NFL offense yeah. where you're looking for five, six yards of play. Where so thrown, who usually throws for like four hundred yards a game is. Did not do very well. Got it. All right. I I still would love to know the level to which Madden infiltrated high school football. Um, it took a while. I, I feel like for passing concepts to trickle down, you know, like I don't feel like in the 90s and 2000s we had passing teams. West Coast offense had kind of been the thing in the NFL for a while, and we didn't have that. But then something changed early 2000s where you saw a lot more passing offenses in high school football and you know these high school coaches are a lot of the young guys are in there and they've played Madden their whole lives and I feel like I feel like that had a much bigger impact on the development of high school football offenses. So, yeah. well, so back in the day you saw the elite uh, high schools like modern day had west coast style offenses even back into the 80s but it was almost like a trust thing like coaches were like, okay, we have the best high school players in the country. We can right. run a pro style offense, and it's like, okay, we have a bunch of dum dums. We're gonna run a wing tee, like that. <laughs> so that's just, I, yeah. I honestly think it's like it's a trust thing. But also, yeah, it is. It, the the game is getting younger, and you got boomers who are leaving the positions who have been coaching for you know thirty five years or whatever. And like my daddy ran a wing tee, and that's what I'm gonna do. And we're gonna three yards in a cloud of dust our way to state. Yeah, I, I mean, not even just like these are high, these are high school kids. They're not they're not going to be all geniuses. You got to give them a chance to succeed. So you keep sure. it simple. Also, high school coaches. I mean, also, there probably yeah, did right. have to be a changing a generational change to younger coaches to even entertain the idea. Like you get you yeah. know, a bunch of you know in my day, um, sixty five, seventy year old guys who've been running the ball, you know, run, run, pass, or just run, 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 and wing tee and option forever. Like you're not nothing's getting in there like you got to have that, those guys retire i'm getting flashbacks to when the browns were on hard knocks and there was that offensive line coach <laughs> who got famous for saying set hut and his gut would move but he's on the <laughs> side he goes he goes he goes we won we won two world wars doing sit-ups push-ups jumping jacks and climbing the rope <laughs> because we didn't do any of the stretching crap <laughs> two world wars <laughs> the man has a point all right donald anderson says the Packers personal foul tracker also has a bye week this week, but we all agree Joe Barry should be fired five minutes ago, but midseason firings are tricky. Who would replace him? I certainly would not elevate anyone on this staff. I don't think Rob Marinelli would be an, Rod Marinelli would be an option for obvious reasons. Lovey Smith is sitting on the sidelines. Not sure why Leslie Frazier would consider it. Who else is out there? Who is good based on limited candidates? Are we stuck? We're stuck. We're we're super stuck. Yeah, I kind of like I kind of like Lovey Smith though. With with Cover Two coming back into vogue, I think that that Lovey Smith is, honestly is. as dumb as this sounds. Lovey Smith with Quay Walker like playing the Urlacher position would actually work pretty well 
Um, yeah, I think so. I do I'm, think so. <laughs> I'm kind of down with it. Uh, and Lovey can still coach defense. It's just he's always, you know, not been able to do anything on offense, and he's taken his own personnel to run it. But they kind of have that personnel. <laughs> like at least <laughs> yes. they're close. It's the ballpark. That's all. Yeah, that's just, it. But yeah, we're stuck. Don't... We're not getting rid of Joe Barry. It's not happening. Yeah, you don't see those changes, especially from also... organizations that pride themselves on being. You know, having a plan, being smart, they just don't make those midseason moves. Yeah, and honestly, it's probably not a smart idea. Anyway, if your defensive coordinator is that bad, you're not going to probably shock everybody into being a top-tier defense all of a sudden. And you want candidates available in the offseason when shuffling is going on and there's more people available. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, if if they did promote within, it would be Bisaccia. <laughs> oh, I didn't even I'm think so, like, I'm, I'm not even joking. I think if... if Former Raiders head some... coach Rich Bisaccia, that's right. Yeah, if, if they fired... If they fire Joe Barry, I think Passaccia becomes... I mean, he's already got eight players on the defense. And he, That's true. He does. What is what is your confidence level that Matt LaFleur is the head coach in 2024? Pretty high for next year. Because yeah. I, I for think, 2024? Yeah. Yes. 95%. Yeah, like 95%. Okay. I, um, I do think the, the, the one love season is kind of a... Like, you get this one to find out what you yeah. got. And then your decisions start to matter. Yeah, I think that's right. Okay. Yeah. So my my confidence is fifty fifty for twenty twenty five, but I'm almost certain he's the head coach next year. Yeah. All right. Uh, JD asks uh, about Matt Lafleur. What is the number one thing Lafleur can do to help Jordan Love get in rhythm early and have a good first half for the first time? Call some RPOs. That would be my um, my way to start off the game for a couple of reasons. He's for for one thing, he's pretty good at them. Um, whatever Matt schemed up lately has been garbage. Um, and that chart that I shared last week, uh, grain of salt, like first 15 plays isn't necessarily like the scripted plays, but the Matt script has been kind of rough. And I think that's a good way to start because RPOs are simple reads. Uh, Love is good at making them. It makes his mobility uh, come up immediately uh, if you you know run a couple of um, actual run pass options with him. And it puts the defense in a situation where they don't know what's coming next, which is always good. And then you can run script off that. So that is what I would do. I don't know that he will do that. Um, he's, he seems to like establishing the run with our garbage running backs. But uh, I think that's the, the easy solution to get him in rhythm on track right away. All right, case of the Sunday berries. Good solo pod from Paul. Thank you. I want some of the water he was drinking. It was delicious. Running. I do think you and many others are too soft on Jair, however. Why do you think he's not playing to his potential in run defense? Is he just skittish post-injury? I understand he's small, but it's hard to be a leader on defense when you play like you come from the HHCD school of business decisions. <laughs> Ouch. Yeah, after after he there's a there's a a cliff. After he hurt his shoulder, he fell off a cliff in his tackling ability. He be, he went from one of the best all-around corners in the NFL to trying to be Deion Sanders. That's that's what happened. Hmm. I don't want to hurt his shoulder. He is small. Like, honestly, you should build your defense so he doesn't have to do too much run support. That's that would be ideal. He's much more valuable in coverage. But Matt's right. Like, those are business decisions based on frequent injuries when trying to tackle people, not just the shoulder, but other ones as well. So, yeah, he's an imperfect player. He's best when he can just go and cover. And he's the kind of guy you would prefer to cover for when it's a run play. Unfortunately, the Packers 
have nobody who's good against the run, and so running backs frequently ascend to the second level, that's a big problem. That's a problem you should try and fix, and uh, it is it is a JR problem, but it's also mostly just a, not you, an upfront run problem. The JR problem. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. Sorry, my almost namesake. In, in Paul's mouth, like, very much my namesake. Yes, indeed. Well, my, my first thought was like, is this a Dallas joke? Like, like you're going to shoot shot JR? I, yeah. I was like, I don't, but yeah. Okay. I, I get you now. Also, by the way, uh, I just realized something. Um, our new signing, James Robinson yeah. has four, 400 more yards rushing than AJ Dillon in six fewer games. I mean, James Robinson was awesome for a year. That's not surprising. AJ well, Dillon has been year. awesome yeah. pretty much never. So yeah. Uh, AJ Dillon had he was fine for a year. He was fine. Yeah, sort of. <laughs> we haven't said AJ Dillon's name before now. I don't think so. Nope. It's tough. Yep. Richard Proctor. Richard Proctor says, "How about a fun hypothetical this week? What member of the '96 Packers, not named Favre, White, or Butler, would you add to this year's squad if the goal is to make the playoffs?" Ooh, good one. If the goal is to make the playoffs, um. Man, I mean, is it, is Butler, it Dorsey Levens? I guess uh, no. He's Butler, not so Butler. not Butler. Um, Dorsey Levens. You oh, know, I, you're gonna love my answer. I think, but go ahead. Eugene Robinson. No, dude, I ain't, I ain't doing that. That's that's a delicate issue. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like in the grand scheme, it was never mind. Let's not talk about Eugene Robinson. But Eugene Robinson was really good and would fix the safety position. But okay, I like Levens. Um, I like offensive <laughs> uh, linemen Keith, across the board. Keith Jackson. Uh, that would be a good one. I I think Lafleur would have fun with Keith. Jackson. I want to hear Jr's. Uh, Marco Rivera. Good he call. Was a I like it. He's a rookie on that yeah. team. I'm yep. I'm not. I don't know if he was like a difference maker on the '96 team. He probably wasn't. So I don't know if I want '96 Marco Rivera, but you need a guard <laughs> on this team who is good. I also think, uh, I do think other tight end is a good idea too. I think that's also a fine choice. Agreed. Yeah, I think Keith Jackson is probably the actual answer. Wait, here. did you guys know that? Uh, uh, the tight end who shall not be named was their long snapper. Uh, yeah, what? yeah, I remember that. I did not know that <laughs> until just this moment. I don't think he was their all the time long snapper. I think he just did it sometimes when people were hurt or things. Yes, that. Eugene Robinson, by the way, underrated, uh, and that scandal is you know it really dragged him down, but he would help a lot too. One of the best safeties. Also, oh, would, yeah. would Robert Brooks count even though he finished the year in IR? Sure. <laughs> you can do I'm counting Marco Rivera, who's yeah. just a draft pick. Do whatever you want. Yeah, so I guess Robert Brooks would be my answer, like like a veteran wide receiver. Yeah. It's fine. Right. Robert Brooks is fine, but he's, you know, he's just fine. <laughs> right, but right now they don't have anyone who's just <laughs> I'd rather have one of the t- – I'd rather have Keith Jackson than Robert Brooks by leaps and bounds. That's all. Keith Jackson. Yeah. Price Trozen says there is zero chance the Packers go practice squad hunting for help in their positions of need, right? You've got me on the Zaza hype train, but I'm afraid <laughs> it leads to an abandoned station. I mean, what, what, where do we get Razul from? Where did we get Campbell from? Like, yeah, if, if, say whatever you want about Goot, but he does go um, practice squad hunting with some regularity. Um, so it's possible if, if he's a vet he likes. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I par- honestly, part of the reason I tweet that out is because. Um, they need 
a, a backup running back who can do Aaron Jones stuff. They have a bunch of like, uh, was it just last week or two weeks ago? They have Quadzilla, Quad Light, and Quad Drive. That's what they have, and they need um, they need somebody with that skill set. That's why I like the Jet guy. Uh, that's why I like Valade. He moves like Aaron Jones does. He's just sitting there. Anybody can have him. Uh, his only he has one downside. He does have the second smallest hands I've ever seen on an NFL player. Um, okay, so, so literally, so Paul legitimately surveyed the Slack chat. He's like, find me the smallest hand players you can, because I've never seen one smaller. Xavier Holiday has eight inch hands, which is truly something. <laughs> they did manage to find someone with smaller hands, that being Hunter Renfro, who is, I think, seven and five eighths, which. Yeah, yeah, it was it was seven and five eighths. That's... Which is, I mean. Kudos to Hunter Renfro for overcoming a disability to be the NFL player that he is. I just, it's just, it's got to be because here's the thing: the way the NFL measures hands, if you have tiny fingers and huge palms, you have quote unquote small, small hands. hands. Yeah. So, like, I, I have the same size hands as Jeff Janis, according to the NFL Combine. <laughs> I wear size medium gloves. Like I, I do not have big hands, yeah. but they're very flexible, and I have long fingers. Yeah, I do think this will be a very unpredictable trade deadline because they might sell off, and you know, uh, the economics of the NFL hit hard, and it wouldn't be that bad of an idea. But uh, I don't; uh, they will not add, but they may add guys like that. They might go practice squad snooping at that point, and that's more likely than nothing. I have this feeling that the tub has like Jeff Janice's Raz card as a poster on the wall. <laughs> I mean, okay, if you literally go on Twitter, search my at with Kent's at and Jeff Janice. Kent Kelly invented. Black. Yeah. Who the fuck yeah, is Kent? He means the guy who invented Kent Lee Platt, Math Bomb. Oh, Twitter. got it. Got it. Okay. Okay. We can't use first names for <laughs> yeah. people if we have Sorry. no reference. But anyway, keep going. Okay. The guy, the guy who invented relative athletic score um i i'm not gonna say with complete certainty that he added the position switcher uh function because of me but the amount of times i asked him to run jeff janice as other positions yep. <laughs> and then he magically made the positions i think he did i think you're right <laughs> i think you he are caused obsessed the you're obsessed with jeff janice He's, he has, like, the all-time greatest Raz. It's so good. You don't have to convince know, me. I've seen it. It's yeah. it's great. I, like I said, I think it's a poster on your wall. And I and the Broncos Or the Broncos. The Browns The Browns ruined him. They put delusions of grandeur in his head that he was going to be a wide receiver instead of a special teamer. Alas. Uh, I'm going to concentrate on this. I'm going to get this. You're either a smart fella or a fart smeller. Woo. Way to go. Have you guys ever played the game Fuzzy Duck? Does that yes. ring a bell to you? Uh, yes. Uh, okay. Very rudimentary idiot game. And I just have this memory of playing it when I was in high school. And just I was really struggling with it. I guess for those who don't know, you just go in a circle and say Fuzzy Duck, Fuzzy Duck. And then you can change it up. If somebody could say, does he? And then it's Ducky Fuzz, Ducky Fuzz. And haha, you could figure out where this is going. Yep. People who speak incorrectly, who swear most of the time, um, they are out of the circle and it just gets lower and lower and lower until there's only one person left. So I just remember very triumphantly feeling like I had zoned in, had focused on, on what I was going to say. Fuzzy Duck, I was going to say it loudly and probably. And of course, I I screamed an F-bomb at the you know, top of my lungs thinking that I had gotten it. This is a really bad story. Let's go on to the question. Uh, <laughs> given, 
given how it's rarely felt like Green Bay has ever had a good defense in recent memory, other than 2009 and 2010, and the calls for firing the uh, the DC are eternal. Power rank the previous four defensive coordinators and their schemes. That would be Joe Barry, Petten, Dom Capers, and Bob Sanders. I separately say coordinators and schemes because I figure theoretically you may favor a scheme, but think a coach is particularly bad at running it or is in some other way a negative or positive independent of their scheme. Okay. So it's not really fair to, to compare early capers to anybody else because yeah. like they went, they went out and traded up in the first round to provide capers with his three, four personnel. Well, also capers was good. Like, the capers scheme worked very well for the NFL it was run in. It was designed to generate splash plays on defense, generate turnovers when quarterbacks were much more likely to throw interceptions. The NFL, to some extent, adjusted to Dom Capers. Um, and, you know, sometimes it's hard when your whole scheme gets undone by the entire league adjusting to it. Sure. But, but okay, so let me, JR, you might not know this off the top of your head. Probably do, though. The, pa- the Packers took. The Packers took two players in the first round the year Clay Matthews was drafted. Who was the other one? Oh, B.J. Raji, my lord, defensive tackles. And who was taken first? B.J. Raji. He was taken to the top ten. Yeah. Yes, and, and and that's the thing. So like, it's it's kind of hard. Like Capers, as if was Jr. Like, wouldn't know a B.J. Raji question. I mean, <laughs> I wore a B.J. Raji jersey to work uh, well, a couple weeks it, ago. But, so Capers was like, I need to have a thousand pounds of man using three people. And I need to have a very speedy outside linebacker. And they went out and got him those things. Like, yeah, traded up so to yeah, you. To if, if we're gonna, if we're gonna rate, I I'm, wish we had that I'm now. Say, that was really smart. I'm gonna say Capers, Patton, Sanders, Barry. Uh yeah, I think I agree with that, Patton. Because because I saw Patton's scheme work with the Jets. It was he he was technically running. A Ryan scheme, but he was running it. <laughs> I feel like I don't. Re- I don't remember enough Sanders details. Um, right, I'm just putting Joe Barry last, regardless. Joe Barry's like, I last, but I, I, I can. Patton, I don't think is very good as a head coach, or not a, as a head coordinator um, or a head coach, which he also was. Um, so it's more like I don't remember Sanders enough to judge him. Like 2006 Packers is kind of like in one ear <laughs> out the other for me. Um, and so it doesn't like capers with a bullet and then the rest of the three, I don't care. They're all, they're all the same. Do we fixate too much? I, I don't think I actually, I think I have an answer to this question is no, but do, do we fixate too much on defensive coordinators? Cause it strikes me that we talk about the variance in defense and how a lot of it is turnover dependent, you know, that's going to come and go year to year. Some of that is just luck. Some is out of the control of the coordinator. Is it like the hitting coach in baseball where, Maybe maybe we overestimate how much they actually impact what's going on and that it really is happening more at the position coach level, the group level. So I don't think m- most fans definitely overreact to their defensive coordinator, but we don't. Um, because we, Oh, no, we're perfect. It, well, we don't because <laughs> our defensive coordinator right now has never once coordinated an above average defense, despite eight, now eight tries at doing so. So we have a big sample. He sucks. Like, we, we know this. Um, perfect. But, but generally speaking, yeah, like... The defensive coordinator is very hard to judge because factors outside of their control have huge impacts on what they do from year to year. So yes, but not for us. Okay. I love it when the answer is everyone else does, but not us. Yes. We're right. That's correct. And everyone else and is, it is only sometimes It is true right. in this instance. I'm very confident in that. JR, <laughs> J- are, are you aware of the stand-up comedian Mike Berbiglia? 
I am indeed, yes. Okay. Uh, my probiglia's famous sketch, uh, Wiffleball Tony. I am not familiar with that. No, I am more familiar with Mike Birbiglia as a sitcom actor than actual comedian stand-up, but I have seen some of his stand-up, though. I have enjoyed it. So, basically, he was trying to describe George W. Bush, and he's like, he's like, Wiffleball Tony, he's the guy that you invite to the barbecue because you know he's going to start the Wiffleball game, and you always want Tony around, and then one day, someone's like, guess what? Tony's in charge of everything. And then he goes into the neighbor's yard and starts challenging them to Wiffleball games and throwing hamburgers at them. So basically Joe Barry's wiffle ball Tony. Like he can go coach the linebackers or whatever. I don't want him in charge of everything. Yeah, I'm not even sure he's good at that to be perfectly honest, but yes. <laughs> I would rather have him doing yeah, fine 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 comparison to wiffle ball Tony. Yes, on board. I'm not sure I know a wiffle ball Tony, but old man on a bike in Shirlington. I'm just an old man on a bike who freely admits to being confused at times. In that regard, I was befuddled last week when there seemed to be a hasty desire to trade Rashawn Gary on reporting as eligible. This type of rash decision-making to me is reminiscent of how we ended up with electric bikes and scooters discarded throughout our cities. Why would we get rid of an ascending young player at a premium position? Are we really expecting to need a full teardown in 2024? Or do you anticipate the draft compensation to be along the lines of what the Bears gave up for Khalil Mack? So Rashawn Gary is going to demand just south of TJ Watt money yep. to only play two downs. Yep. This is the, so. Um, I don't. First of all, I probably did say that, but I don't remember it. And um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I've had many bourbons. Yes, Rashawn Gary. I really enjoyed the water you were drinking. Yes, Rashawn Gary is outstanding at at generating pressure. He is very good. He is first or second in the league in pressure rate in any given year. But there are some massive holes in Rashawn Gary's game. One is health. He's already missed a, you know, a season with an ACL tear. And athletic guys with ACL tears are not great. And yes, he's rebounded fantastic. He is a young man. Young men do that. But he's not going to be a young man forever. And he is not the same as the Watts or a lot of other you know, total package edge rushers. He is a huge liability on the outside in run defense. And yeah, I don't care about run defense that much, but I care about it a little. And it would be nice if he like tried once in a while. (laughs) So he's good at one thing and he's excellent at that one thing, but you're not necessarily going to get surplus value paying him a full market contract for his mid twenties. And you know, the next time it might matter for the Packers might be 2026. So that's what you, you got to do all that math. And, um, you know, that's that's why it should be on the table. Look, someone paid two first round picks for the opportunity to pay a small, to pay, yeah. slow safety. <laughs> People will happily spend draft capital just for the opportunity to pay somebody. Yep. So if, if the Packers could get a first and change for Gary, I am, send him. Love the guy. Send him. Yep. And you might need to you might need to start thinking about quarterback capital too. Like if you're not going to get Williams or May this year and you think you might need them, you need to start putting packages together for guys that you can get in the future because that is what the team is all about fundamentally. Huh. First round pick, is that really what we're talking about with Rashawn Gary? Probably a couple, I'd say, but who knows? Maybe not. Wow. Again, he's flawed. He's <laughs> He's young. He's awesome, but he's flawed. So, I mean that that the league has shown that people are willing to pay first round picks plus for the opportunity to pay a player. Yep. 
All right. Scarf 21. I know we still have a long season ahead of us, but let's say that by the end of the season, we find that Love just isn't the quarterback of the future. Which 2024 draft quarterback that could be within the Packers' reach, assuming Caleb Williams and Drake May will be long gone by the time the Packers pick, is your favorite at the moment? This is definitely a Paul question. Yeah, I ran. I even ran QBOPs the other day midseason, but it's on a computer that's not in front of me at the moment. But I can still answer this. Um, that's fine. Uh, there's going to be a bunch of guys I don't like um, in the immediacy after um, the, the two good guys. So, like, Bo Nix is going to be there, and some kind of guys who are kind of like Bo Nix are going to be there, and I don't like that at all. So, um, I like Jordan Travis at Florida State, who is not – he's had an okay but not great season so far. He was phenomenal last year. I think by the end of the season, he'll be a top-ten quarterback, and his arm is good. He's a little on the short side, but I think he's a third or fourth rounder who has great upside, and I love that guy. Um, I do like Michael Penix, provided he can add a couple miles an hour to that fastball. Um, he has had two elite um, Q-Bop seasons, one of which was at Indiana as a freshman, which is almost impossible. He's been consistently good. Um, he is he has good mobility. He makes good decisions. He is very accurate. My only question is if he actually has an NFL arm, so that. And then a guy who's had a bad season, which may end up making him a bargain, is KJ Jefferson, who is like a super athletic monster who it was super great last year. <laughs> um, so if he falls, nab him late. That guy's good. That Those are my guys I like. The Michigan guy oh. I don't like. Um, uh, I, McCarthy. I don't like McCarthy. Really? But, yeah. All right. Tell me what you know about SEC Offensive Player of the Week, Graham Mertz. <laughs> I, he throws behind the line of scrimmage on 70% of his targets. 70%? Yeah. No way. Something That's like, made up. Something like that. Oh, he, he does wow. not have a good A dot. How about that? <laughs> so, so KJ Jefferson reminded me that uh, back in September, I referred to him as Brandon Jacobs at quarterback. <laughs> he is he is a large man. <laughs> is a Dude, did you guys team. see... You see Iowa quarterback Deacon Hill, former Badger, uh, former Badger last year. <laughs> yes, uh, that dude is is also massive. Does not move well. Does not throw well. I mean, he throws. He has a cannon of an arm. He doesn't throw it accurately yet. Uh, he's been pressed into duty, like he's not ready to be a quarterback. Yeah. But he's two and zero for Iowa. The <laughs> Hawkeyes find a way to win. Really weird. Really weird. This dude looks like a lineman. Why am I? <laughs> yeah, I was when there, there was a little bit of disappointment on my end when. You know, he. I realize he's not left-handed. He's not Jared Lorenzen, but uh, <laughs> definitely some hefty lefty vibes. All right, hefty Jonathan Deal. Pillsbury throws throw boy. <laughs> All right, Jared Lorenzen, you're very yes. beloved. All right, Twitter questions. We are done with Patreon questions. Going to Jonathan Deal. Would Brandon Staley be an actual upgrade over Barry, or are we at the point where we want anyone over him? I'm pretty sure J.R. Radcliffe would be an upgrade over Barry. Uh, so, at this point. Yeah, he'd be an upgrade. It's just I'm not sure how big of an upgrade you're going to get. That's all. So, yeah, um, but who knows? Yeah, this is why you wait the offseason. There's yep. going to be some coaches out of jobs who are going to have the defensive acumen. You just you just got to see it through. But we thought that last season, and they did not actually go a different direction. Okay, to our why, why, astonishment. Is, why, why is everybody talking about Saleh? Like he's going to be available at the end of the season. Have you no, seen? I, the... I don't know if I. I saw Aaron Nagler tweet about him. I didn't know if that was a prevailing sentiment. Yeah, I, but, I don't yeah. know if Nagler started it, but like a lot of people have been saying those words, and I'm like, I don't see how you lose your your all world quarterback. How that guy gets fired? I just don't. Because this yeah. is the city of New York, and uh, 
everything goes faster. <laughs> you know, they like play, there's they no play patience. In New Jersey. Who Sorry. Cares? Sorry. New Jersey. <laughs> Whatever. Yes. That's definitely different. Uh, okay. Uh, PJ's Zane Anderson Stan account. Love this guy. Is Justin Herbert bad at football? Not my official question, ah. but he's really grinding my gears today. He's not as good as is commonly thought. He, he is. Pretty, that surprises me. Yeah. He's pretty good. Like the arm's great. The decision making is not, not always great. He's like, he's good. You can definitely win with him, but he is kind of Matthew Staffordy. Like that's kind of I think what he yeah, is. Yeah, but I mean that's the thing. Like Matthew Stafford also had Lombardi rot attached to his brain, so like maybe Herbert needs more time to shape. Maybe, maybe that's very yeah. possible. But right now, that's what that's what you get. So I know, but but it's funny is that you're comparing two guys who played under the same crappy offensive coordinators. <laughs> <laughs> he is bad. I'm trying that's to hastily look up Graham Mertz's ADOT, so that's... <laughs> also, yeah, I don't, know, have, I don't know what that means, but... Has anybody seen an update on Corey Lindsley, speaking of the Chargers? No. Looking this up right now. So, was he so broken? He was hospitalized with a heart oh. issue. Whoa, Sorry. what? That Did you guys not me. know that this is like three weeks ago? Oh my gosh, I completely... have. I have not checked in with the San Diego Chargers much. They, they put him on IR <laughs> at the end of September for uh, a heart issue. Okay. Um, yeah. But they were just interviewing him a couple days ago about Herbert's contract. So, like, I yeah, know, I see yeah. this late September. Interesting. Yeah, it doesn't seem like there are many updates. That's right. weird. I can't find mm-hmm. an ADOT that's reliable. This number is garbage. So, anyway, he checks down a lot. <laughs> so, but I give up. What you're telling me, though, is that Graham Mertz is not, has not transformed himself into an NFL, in an NFL prospect. Absolutely not. No, he is not. He's kind of like Tanner, yeah. actually. They're very similar. Ah, that's not what any Badger fan wants to hear, that they're very similar. <laughs> Especially now that one of them has a broken hand. Yeah, not good, not good. Very bad. But we're done, right? Yay. Uh, that's it, guys. We are we're out of here. Incredible. We have Denver. This is, this is a fun. short one for us. Well, it's bye week. This you is know how it is. It's bye week, but also it's nice to have a nice, clean, fast one every once in a it's while. Healthy. It's healthy. It is healthy. That's what she it's said. Good for you. So it resets. <laughs> yeah. All right. Before we go, JR, anything to plug? Uh, let me think here. What's coming up? Uh, well, the Bucks are coming up next week, so I've got uh, we'll be doing some video segments with Jim Ozarski for for JS Online. The uh, the Point Forward podcast will be coming out preseason edition. That'll be coming out soon. I'm not sure the, the podcast is actually going to continue every week going forward. It's uh kind of a lightly listened to offering. So I think we're uh, kind of maybe breaking news here a little bit because I don't know if we've really addressed that, but we're going to scale it back a little bit and go with more of a video approach for, for some parts of the year. We will have another Brewers podcast, Microbrew, coming out this week. We have not heard any news on Craig Council, whether or not he's coming back. Kind of surprising to yeah. me that we're 10, 11 days after the end of the Brewers season and we don't have uh, really any news on that. So uh, Kurt Hogue will be stopping into the studio tomorrow. We'll have a have an episode probably on Thursday morning. Uh, and then, uh, you know, high school football playoffs begin this weekend, if that's your thing. There'll be coverage of that at jsonline.com. I plan on heading out to state in a few weeks, uh, right before Thanksgiving, for uh, for live blog live blog of the uh, of the state finals. That's a fun thing. So getting getting the uh, ball rolling on that as well. But uh, but not uh, nothing specific for me. I did write about Tom Taraska, speaking of high school football. He was a coach at Arrowhead High School. He was a massive, just built an absolute empire uh, went to uh, went to nine state championship games, won five championships. He uh, he was killed in a car accident on Sunday. Oh, so wow. uh, so seventy one years old. He, he was not the current coach. He's he's been re- he's been out of head coaching for a long time. But uh, but a, 
an absolute icon in greater Milwaukee high school football. And uh, it was kind of a, obviously it's a tragic story yeah. and you know, wrote that up a little bit. It was, you know, probably, probably one of our bigger, bigger items this week. But uh, so, uh, so a little news around high school sports coming into the, coming into the playoff season. All right. Check all that out. Um, Matt, anything? Yeah. So uh, I make content now. Yeah, you do. <laughs> You're a reborn content reborn. Uh, so last week, I wrote about why it took a week for everyone to hear about Bankert talking crap about LaFleur. Yeah. Um, and how a blue-haired Lions fan uh, kind of knows how to stir the pot. And I will be continuing to write at least once a week at Acme Packing Company. All so, right. yeah, I'm, I'm making content now. Hottest take of the week, uh, I decided. It takes about five hours to make Ooh. a video, and I got like 600 page views on the last one. So I'm just, yeah, I'm not doing that anymore. It's going to be words. Makes sense. The economics. All right. Uh, I will have the mini pod on Friday. I'll have something in Acme Packing Company before that. I have the Shepard Express column. And then I have a special surprise thing that I'm recording on Thursday that will drop on Friday that you'll all just have to wait and see because I want to make sure it happens first. Is it musical? It is not musical. Oh. Yeah, I have a musical thing that's almost done, but my voice has sounded like this for like a month now. So you got to outsource that shit. You can I'll, get a if you want to get Matub to sing it. Oh, I don't want to sing it, but Matub <laughs> might. I mean, I'm down. Let's go. I, okay, I've okay. heard him. I've heard him croon with the guitar. He's he good. He's good. better than I am by leaps and bounds and orders of magnitude. Okay, but so. I, I wouldn't go as far as good. Pretty good. Well, no, I wouldn't either. Don't worry, I'm not. But, <laughs> but you know. All right. I so I will actually send you the lyrics and you'll know the song and if you can do it that'd be great because i am animating for this one so um yeah you're you're what (laughs) (laughs) that's a really good question yeah uh i i wow okay i'm I'm looking forward to this already and and i'm really looking forward to matub singing that's that's gonna be awesome so yeah lots to look forward to anyway enjoy the game on sunday we'll be back next week Okay.